Chapters twenty five to twenty seven of Tristram Shandy, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Peary. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, Volume two, by Lawrence Stern. Chapter twenty five because quoth my great-grandmother repeating the words again you have little or no nose sir sdeath cried my great-grandfather clapping his hand upon his nose tis not so small as that comes to tis a full inch longer than my father's now my great-grandfather's nose was for all the world like unto the noses of all the men women and children whom pantagruel found dwelling upon the island of Ennison by the way if you would know the strange way of getting a kin among so flat-nosed a people you must read the book find it out yourself you never can twas shaped sir like an eighth of clubs tis a full inch continued my grandfather pressing up the ridge of his nose with his finger and thumb and repeating his assertion tis a full inch longer madam than my father's you must mean your uncle's replied my great-grandmother my great-grandfather was convinced he untwisted the paper and signed the article chapter twenty six what an unconscionable jointure my dear do we pay out of this small estate of ours quoth my grandmother to my grandfather my father replied my grandfather had no more nose my dear saving the mark than there is upon the back of my hand now you must know that my great-grandmother outlived my grandfather twelve years so that my father had the jointure to pay a hundred and fifty pounds half yearly on michaelmas and lady day during all that time no man discharged pecuniary obligations with a better grace than my father and as far as a hundred pounds went he would fling it upon the table guinea by guinea with that spirited jerk of an honest welcome which generous souls and generous souls only are able to fling down money but as soon as ever he entered upon the odd fifty he generally gave a loud hem rubbed the side of his nose leisurely with the flat part of his forefinger inserted his hand cautiously betwixt his head and the caul of his wig looked at both sides of every guinea as he parted with it and seldom could get to the end of the fifty pounds without pulling out his handkerchief and wiping his temples defend me gracious heaven from those persecuting spirits who make no allowances for these workings within us never oh never may i lay down in their tents who cannot relax the engine and feel pity for the force of education and the prevalence of opinions long derived from ancestors for three generations at least this tenet in favor of long noses had gradually been taking root in our family tradition was all along on its side and interest was every half year stepping in to strengthen it so that the whimsicality of my father's brain was far from having the whole honor of this as it had of almost all his other strange notions for in a great measure he might be said to have sucked this in with his mother's milk he did his part however if education planted the mistake in case it was one my father watered it and ripened it to perfection he would often declare in speaking his thoughts upon the subject 
that he did not conceive how the greatest family in England could stand it out against an uninterrupted succession of six or seven short noses and for the contrary reason he would generally add that it must be one of the greatest problems in civil life where the same number of long and jolly noses following one another in a direct line did not raise and hoist it up into the best vacancies in the kingdom he would often boast that the shandy family ranked very high in king harry the eighth's time but owed its rise to no state engine he would say but to that only but that like other families he would add it had felt the turn of the wheel and had never recovered the blow of my great-grandfather's nose it was an ace of clubs indeed he would cry shaking his head and as vile a one for an unfortunate family as ever turned up trumps fair and softly gentle reader where is thy fancy carrying thee if there is truth in man by my great-grandfather's nose i mean the external organ of smelling or that part of man which stands prominent in his face and which painters say in good jolly noses and well-proportioned faces should comprehend a full third that is measured downwards from the setting on of the hair what a life of it has an author at this pass chapter twenty seven it is a singular blessing that nature has formed the mind of men with the same happy backwardness and renitency against conviction which is observed in old dogs of not learning new tricks what a shuttlecock of a fellow would the greatest philosopher that ever existed be whisked into at once did he read such books and observe such facts and think such thoughts as would eternally be making him change sides now my father as i told you last year detested all this he picked up an opinion sir as a man in a state of nature picks up an apple it becomes his own and if he is a man of spirit he would lose his life rather than give it up i am aware that didius the great civilian will contest this point and cry out against me whence comes this man's right to this apple ex confesso he will say things were in a state of nature the apple is as much frank's apple as john's pray mr shandy what patent has he to show for it and how did it begin to be his was it when he set his heart upon it or when he gathered it or when he chewed it or when he roasted it or when he peeled or when he brought it home or when he digested or when he for it is plain sir if the first picking up of the apple made it not his that no subsequent act could brother didius trebonius will answer now trebonius the civilian and church lawyer's beard being three inches and a half and three-eighths longer than didius his beard i'm glad he takes up the cudgels for me so i give myself no farther trouble about the answer brother didius trebonius will say it is a decreed case as you may find it in the fragments of gregorius and hermogenes's codes and in all the codes from justinian's down to the codes of louis and des that the sweat of a man's brows and the exudations of a man's brains are as much a man's own property as the breeches upon his backside which said exudations etc being dropped upon the said apple by the labor of finding it and picking it up and being moreover indissolubly wasted and as indissolubly annexed 
by the picker up to the thing picked up carried home roasted peeled eaten digested and so on tis evident that the gatherer of the apple in so doing has mixed up something which was his own with the apple which was not his own by which means he has acquired a property or in other words the apple is john's apple by the same learned chain of reasoning my father stood up for all his opinions he had spared no pains in picking them up and the more they lay out of the common way the better still was his title no mortal claimed them they had cost him moreover as much labor in cooking and digesting as in the case above so that they might well and truly be said to be of his own goods and chattels accordingly he held fast by em both by teeth and claws would fly to whatever he could lay his hands on and in a word would entrench and fortify them round with as many circumvallations and breastworks as my uncle toby would a citadel there was one plaguy rub in the way of this the scarcity of materials to make anything of a defence with in case of a smart attack inasmuch as few men of great genius had exercised their parts in writing books upon the subject of great noses by the trotting of my lean horse the thing is incredible and i am quite lost in my understanding when i am considering what a treasure of precious time and talents together has been wasted upon worse subjects and how many millions of books in all languages and in all possible types and bindings have been fabricated upon points not half so much tending to the unity and peacemaking of the world what was to be had however he set the greater store by and though my father would oft-times sport with my uncle toby's library which by the by was ridiculous enough yet at the very same time he did it he collected every book and treatise which had been systematically wrote upon noses with as much care as my honest uncle toby had done those upon military architecture tis true a much less table would have held them but that was not thy transgression my dear uncle here but why here rather than in any other part of my story i am not able to tell but here it is my heart stops me to pay to thee my dear uncle toby once for all the tribute i owe thy goodness here let me thrust my chair aside and kneel upon the ground whilst i am pouring forth the warmest sentiment of love for thee and veneration for the excellency of thy character that ever virtue and nature kindled in a nephew's bosom peace and comfort rest for evermore upon thy head thou enviedst no man's comforts insultedst no man's opinions thou blackenst no man's character devouredst no man's bread gently with faithful trim behind thee didst thou amble round the little circle of thy pleasures jostling no creature in thy way for each one's sorrows thou hadst a tear for each man's need thou hadst a shilling whilst i am worth one to pay a weeder thy path from thy door to thy bowling-green shall never be grown up whilst there is a rood and a half of land in the shandy family thy fortifications my dear uncle toby shall never be demolished End of chapters 25 to 27